0: Buddhist Geeks, Discover the Emerging Face of Buddhism. Episode 261, The Angry Buddhist. This week, we're joined by Seth Greenland, author of the newly released novel, The Angry Buddhist, to speak about the book and how he's bringing core Buddhist concepts further into popular culture. Buddhist Geeks is supported largely by the generosity of our listeners. If you like what we're doing, please consider making a one-time or monthly recurring donation by visiting Geeks.com forward slash donate. Hello, Buddhist Geeks. This is Vincent Horn, and I'm back again for another Buddhist Geeks episode. And today... I'm joined by a very special guest. I'm here over Skype with Seth Greenland. Seth, it's awesome to have you on the show. Thanks for
1: having me, Vince. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, and I I wanted to mention a little bit uh, about your background. You're you're kind of on the fringe of the Buddhist world um, in that you're a novelist and TV writer as your main profession. You've written several novels. um, You've produced and written stuff for TV. Uh, I think I saw on your bio that you had some involvement in the television series Big Love,
1: yeah, I was a writer and producer on Big Love for two seasons.
0: Okay, cool. I, my, my wife Emily loved that show. And I, I, every time I'd walk in the living room for a few weeks, she was watching it. So, um, you know, just jumping right in, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your newest novel. It's called The Angry Buddhist. But I also want to hear a little bit about how you got into this whole Buddhist meditation thing. Uh, and I understand that you got into meditation because your
1: wife was doing it. What happened was uh, when I was in my mid thirties, I was diagnosed with with cancer. I had stage four lymphoma. It was it was all over my body, and uh, the predictions were pretty dire. And I. Freaked out a little bit, and when I got over my my initial freak out, I realized that you know I needed to do some things to uh, to calm down, and you know I had been hearing about meditation for years and had done a little bit of yoga in college, but had never really been particularly interested in Eastern things. But I thought you know if not now, when, and it's better than you know taking hundred milligrams of Valium every three hours. And uh, I said to Susan, I think maybe we should go learn how to meditate. So we were living in New York City at the time, and I dragged her over to the Zen Center on the east side of Manhattan. And the Zen Center is... uh, you know, very, very traditional Zen meditation, sitting on cushions, your back ramrod straight in a circle, a Roshi, uh, leads you. It was the whole, the whole nine yards and neither of us knew a thing about it really. Uh, so we went and we had instruction and, uh, the Roshi who was a, uh, you know, Caucasian guy named Jeff, who I think had grown up on Long Island, uh, but was Roshi so-and-so. He had a, a Buddhist name, of course, uh, and was was in the robes and everything else, uh, taught us how to d- – to meditate the root, the rudiments of, of, meditation. And, you know, people, people asked all the beginners questions, you know, can you do it lying down? Can you do it in this position, in that position? And of course he, you know, the, the Zen they were teaching was very strict and it was, no, you've got to sit on a cushion. Imagine the, uh, the thread, uh, peering out of the back of your head and reaching toward the skies and somebody's pulling on the thread. Your back needs to be ramrod straight. You cross your legs and you will sit there. We'll bang this gong. We'll begin meditating when the gong gets uh, struck. We'll stop meditating when the gong uh, is struck again. And in the meantime, you know, good luck with your thoughts. And that was that was our first experience. And uh, Susan became very, very adept at it. And I began to explore along with meditation, some other practices like, uh, tai chi and qigong ultimately, which I became more interested in than then Zen meditation. But over the years, I've returned to meditation and I'm, I'm healthy now. I've been, uh, I've been healthy for nearly 19 years, but I still, I, I practice still regularly. What I don't do every day is sit on a cushion. I take my practice into the world and, uh, by that, I mean I use the principles I've learned along the way, uh, particularly Vipassana principles, to try to be in the world in a healthier way than I was before I began doing this in a more equanimous way, uh, in a way that's better for me and for the people around me. I also should say I am, I am the opposite of a master at this. I will always... You know I love the phrase beginner's mind because as far as I'm concerned I'm always a beginner and I'll be the perpetual beginner but but I'm always trying and 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 trying to get better and I think I've I've improved slowly over the years so you could say I've had I've had something of a practice for nearly 20 years now
0: That's awesome sounds like something a master would say
1: well, thanks. Thanks. I mean, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I always say it's, you know, if, if what it takes to be a master is humility, I have that in spades. <laughs> nice. I have my own ineptitude as, as my, my signal quality, quite honestly. And that, that served me well. Nice.
0: Nice. Um, and then, you know, to explore a little bit, this, this book that you've written, uh, The Angry Buddhist, um, you know, it's really interesting Because uh, you don't typically see really well written novels that have any connection or tie in with Buddhism or meditation. So I'm curious, what is the angry Buddhist about? Is it a spiritual book? Or is it more of like spirituality is kind of interwoven into something else?
1: Well, spirituality is a big part of the book, but it's not a book about Buddhism per se. Uh, The main—well, it's about—I mean, very briefly, so your listeners get a sense of what it is. It's about three brothers, one of whom is a former uh, police detective, one of whom is a congressman currently running for re-election, and uh, one of whom is a career criminal. And the Angry Buddhist is uh, the— character of the, uh, the former policeman and what he's doing in, in the course of the novel is trying to learn the basic, uh, precepts of Buddhist meditation to deal with anger issues he has and to, uh, to try to become a better, less conflicted, uh, less tortured person. And the book is really, the book's about a lot of things, but the, the key thing the book is about thematically is his struggle. How can you, and, and the question the book asks really is, is there a way to be a better person in the world? Are there techniques one can use to be a better person that are not horrible and obnoxious for everyone around you? Okay. Like psychology, for example. <laughs> How can, how can you avoid Scientology and be a better person? I don't mean to pick on the Scientologist. That was an easy joke.
0: No, no, it's fine. And, and you're, you're part of a long and illustrious lineage of folks
1: uh, who've taken shots at Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> I, what's interesting is I know that Scientologists take a lot of crap. I, I have no personal beef with them. I just use them as an example of some people get into that. Other people get into Buddhism. I think Buddhism is far more mentally healthy Gosh. because it lacks the bureaucracy, I think anything that lacks the bureaucracy is generally a better place to be. Mm. Gotcha.
0: And, you know, one thing that's really interesting about, about this book, uh, and, and, and really I saw, I saw something on this immediately after it was published, is that it was also being developed into a television show with Showtime. Yes. Could, could you say a little bit about that and, the, uh, and how that happens?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I work over the years on and off as a television writer. And, um, you know, I had written on a show called Big Love, which I, I think you mentioned. And uh, these kind of shows, you know, these, these shows that work the way 19th century novels work, these panorama type shows like The Wire or The Sopranos or Big Love are, are very popular right now. And the people at Showtime uh, thought that the angry Buddhists might fit under that umbrella and make a very workable uh, and compelling family drama for them. And uh, I agree. So I'm trying to write it right now.
0: That's really interesting. It's, what I find so cool about that is that you're really bringing this, this story and this reflection into popular culture.
1: Uh, yeah, that's the thing, because in the meeting that we had with the executives over there, the president of Showtime, very lovely and intelligent guy named David Evans, who, <laughs> who I like very much because he's a big fan of the book, uh, said to me, you know, we just we love this title, The Angry Buddhist. And, you know, it's, it's a title that really piques people's interest because obviously it's paradoxical. And uh, But by the same token, you know, America is a remarkably angry country. Uh, Eastern thought is becoming ever more popular here. And the idea of, of taking the two, these two elements and, and fusing them feels very much a way of dealing with things that are going on right now in our country in, in terms of the, 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 the zeitgeist.
0: That's cool. Are, are there ways that uh, you'll be involved in such a way that y- you kind of will have some creative influence on, on how the, the television stuff turns I out?
1: Will, I will be in charge of the show.
0: Oh, cool. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll have a lot of say. Oh, I can't, I can't wait till it comes out. But that's, you know, Showtime has to decide they want to shoot the pilot and then they have to decide they want to make the series. I mean, there are many, there are many steps here. But the, the good news is they, they option the book. I'm writing a pilot. And then we'll see what happens. But okay. I'm cautiously optimistic that it will continue to go forward. Okay, that's cool. So there's there's a kind of process. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Long and drawn out. Okay, gotcha.
0: That makes sense. So, you know, to, just exploring that idea a little more of of infusing popular culture with some of these ideas. Are there certain principles, practices, ideas that you're most interested in? getting out into larger kind of audiences with this
1: yeah i would love to and in and i do this in the book and i would do it in the series as well i'm i'm particularly interested in as i alluded earlier in uh vipassana techniques uh because i think they're remarkably helpful and and easy to use for for most people and uh in in the, in the book, the, uh, the angry Buddhist character, the, uh, the former policeman, is, is studying uh, Buddhism with an online teacher, and what she's teaching him is the basic tenets of, of Vipassana, about watching a thought rise, not labeling it, not judging it, letting it drift away watching the next thought rise and sitting there and just watching how your mind works, which is a very elementary, probably oversimplified version of what Vipassana is, but about all one can get across in in, uh, a piece of popular art, I think. Because again, you know, I'm not writing... Uh, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Nor am I making a television show about that. You know, this is this is popular culture that we're talking about here. So, so if you can get these kind of broad ideas out there, I think the goal really is to get people to the point where they want to explore more on their own. And see, I'm not passing myself off as a Buddhist teacher.
0: Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And, and yet, you're you're doing something really interesting, which is getting certain concepts out into a into the kind of zeitgeist. um.
1: Yeah. And and what I hope is, is a real way in a non cheesy way. You know, we were talking earlier before we started recording about a show that was on in the, I think it was the seventies called Kung Fu, which had very, you know, used Eastern elements in a really cheesy kind of way. And uh, I think the exercise is to, if you're going to traffic in this area is to be somewhat to be as authentic as possible. Without scaring away people who aren't that interested in, in Eastern thought.
0: Yeah, or, or a recent one I saw um, out of <sighs> HBO was a series called Enlightened. And I, I was really hoping that, that it would live up to its title in some way. And it, it really, watching the first couple episodes, it was more like playing off of some general popular notion. But it wasn't actually really pointing to some of the things that sounds like you're exploring in, in your writing.
1: Yeah, I, I'm trying to get into it a little more deeply than they did in that show, although I will say I think that's a terrific show, actually. The, the goal of that show is different than the goal of my show, and I like that show very much, actually.
0: Yeah, it, see, it seemed like more maybe like psychological or self-help or sort of self, yeah. self-actualizing.
1: It's Exactly. she's she, the, the character in that show is very lost. She's not really uh, rigorously pursuing anything. She's very flighty and new agey. And and I try to approach it a little bit more seriously in in the angry Buddhist.
0: So, you know, just just playing off so, something we're talking about here, I've noticed sometimes on the uh, let's call it the, the Buddhist or spiritual side of the street, that the the notion of popular culture can seem like automatically this sort of bad thing. Like popular culture equals you know shallow or. Or, sure, or materialistic, or something like that. Right, mm-hmm. um, and and yet, you know, you're you're right in the heart of that world. <clears throat> so I'm curious what your relationship is between those those two elements and how you uh, how you relate to them. And and it sa- it sounds like from what you're saying, there's not you don't really separate them out that way.
1: Why oh, don't separate them at all? I think you know, I, I proudly participate in pop culture in the sense that it casts a remarkably wide net. You know, pop culture is everything from Keeping Up with the Kardashians to The Sopranos and The Wire, uh, you know, which are as good as any novel anybody's published in the last 25 years. Uh, So so pop culture is a very big tent and you can do pretty artistically ambitious things in pop culture. And and if you're an artist, you do want to reach as many people as you can reach without without cheapening what you're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense.
1: That's you know when I when I think about pop culture you know that's that's how I approach it you know Shakespeare was pop culture in the 17th century do you know uh, Beethoven in the 18th century you know the list goes on and on you you know you know what I mean I do I do
0: have you have you run into that attitude at all and how do you how do you respond
1: No, I mean not at, not at this point really. I mean because uh, pop culture you know so so called pop culture. Uh, It gets taken pretty seriously these days Uh, because, again, because of how many things of quality are getting out there. This isn't to say that most of it isn't junk. Most of it remains junk. But, But there are things like Mad Men and Big Love and, as I said, the Sopranos that are that are just terrific. Or, or you know, a, a movie that's out now called Moonrise Kingdom, a Wes Anderson movie. Just terrific, beautifully made, artful movie. Uh, that's pop culture, really. I mean, it's not pop culture the way the Transformers is pop culture, but it's pop culture as well. Yeah, totally, totally. That's great.
0: You know, you mentioned, you mentioned one of the characters, and, and this is one I found really interesting, is this Instructor that the uh, the angry Buddhist is speaking with, and I think her name is uh, her, her her tag is like Dharma Girl on yes. Gmail or something like that. Yes, exactly. And so so they're they're communicating like over IM email. They're, you know, it's not a it's not a conventional teacher student relationship in terms of how they're communicating. Could you say a bit about that character and kind of? Yeah,
1: oh, absolutely. Uh, well, as you probably know, there are online Dharma teachers now. This is this is a little known fact, and uh, you know you can take you can learn anything online these days. And I hadn't seen that depicted anywhere, and I thought, well, this is interesting. I think I should I should render this in in the book. And I, I just love the idea of somebody sitting at his computer learning about the Dharma from someone who's in, in a completely different state and who who he's never met, and because. What they're having is a dialogue, which is what you would have with a Dharma teacher. They're just not in the same place. They can see each other. Uh, in the, actually, in the, in the television version, they can see each other. In the in the in the book, they can't. In the book, as you mentioned, they're IMing. But uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever had conversations uh, with instant messaging with, with people. But it's uh, when I first started doing it, it was very disorienting. But then it became kind of as if you know, if you're a relatively fast typist. It is a little bit like they're there, and yet there is a scrim between the two of you. And I thought this would be a a fascinating way to, uh, to chase enlightenment for a character. Uh, particularly a guy like, like my character, who was uh, you know ex policeman, who's not that open to uh, to this kind of thing, who might find it uh, uncomfortable to go to a dharma group or to sit with, with other people in a public place, but but in an, in an instant message situation, can ask all these questions in a non threatening way that would be compelling to a reader as well. And and not to spoil the ending, but uh, d- does he find enlightenment? It's always a struggle. Okay, isn't it? Any of us?
0: (laughs) Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference, hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and pragmatic Dharma provocateur, Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information, and to register. Visit BuddhistGeeks.com conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.